Anyway, we've been in a series in 1 John. John the apostle, John the disciple whom Jesus loved. No, he was not arrogant, though it may seem that way, but he had to describe himself in a text that he wrote so it would not be weird like Bob Dole. So everywhere in the gospel of John, he would say the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is him referring to himself. Now we're in 1 John, and we're in the final week of 1 John. Pastor Vince covered uh, chapter 3 last week on the love of God. We've talked about the light of God, witnessing. And I've really enjoyed this more than I thought. Isn't that, isn't that bad when the preacher says, I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I did? It's because God never fails to show us something new. And in 1 John... I wanted to really get into it because it was a text I kind of just put off for many years. I know the Gospel of John really well, but I've never really studied the letters of John to the church after the resurrection, after the the church had, had been born in Acts. And so it was quite revealing to me, humbling to me, and uh, ground, putting my feet on the ground and, and really uh, pointing a finger at myself going, whoa, have I been in vain? Am I superficial about this? It's good to always check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, quoting some famous rap songs, we do it here. Just ask Nate, he knows I've been doing it for five years. Sometimes it's not appropriate. Sorry about that. (laughs) We're in the final week though of John, first John. And what I like about John is he's real. It's real talk. The first chapter, if we had stopped with chapter one, y'all would have never gone back to church again because you thought God hated you. That's not the case. What John did there was he showed us that if we are not really demonstrating what we claim, we don't know God. And he says that. He says, you're not in in the covenant of God's love. Like it's really harsh. But then in chapter two, he goes into then say, but God loves you so much, he's gonna give you a way to fix that. And so they're like, okay, I'll come back to church. This is me talking. I was gonna quit church after week one because it was just so devastating to me. I didn't know that. Then we talked about chapter three, the greater love, and now chapter four. This is one of my favorite passages. First John chapter four, verses one through 21. John continues to reiterate the support of his gospel in this text, by the way. If you go read Gospel of John, and then you read this, you will see a lot of similarities. He's reinforcing. We said it many times. I think the word I've preached more times this series is anything is affirmation, reaffirming over and over because people need it. No no matter how many times you tell somebody something, I have five kids, I know how this goes. They just don't always remember, and you got to tell them again and again. This morning, Colton says, I didn't know I had to lock the back door to the house because the screen door was locked. After we always... We're like lock Nazis. We, we just lock, we have 20 deadbolts, you know? And, and he, I said, you can just kick that one open, buddy. Oh, okay. I said, yeah, next time lock the inside door. And uh, he didn't know that. It's just been his whole life, but he didn't know that. So we got to keep retelling people things, preaching God's word. And this is what John was doing. He was telling them something they've already heard, but had to hear it again. Let's go there. Verse one says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits. Oh, I love that. To see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into this world. This is how you can know the spirit of God. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. 
This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Ooh, I don't like that. Which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now let me just pause there and that the whole first letter of John has been talking about the spirit of the Antichrist. What is that? That is the world coming in and twisting God's word and telling you it's truth. And so John is continuing to tell, if it doesn't look like this, that is not him. And so you can tell yourself all day that it's okay, but that's not gospel. So you're living in vain. You're not in God's will, he says. That's chapter one. It was so hardcore. That's why I like John, because he loves you enough to tell you the truth. He loves you enough to not make you feel good always, but to tell you the truth when you need to hear it. It's like tough love from God. We need that, right? I need that. But he says, try the spirits that you may know if that is a thing that actually is from God or not. And if it's not, it's probably the opposite. The spirit of the Antichrist was uh, this evolvement of people during that time taking the word and twisting it to throw people off course because they didn't like what was happening with the church growing crazy rapidly. And this goes on and on, and it still goes on today. It's a battle we'll never get away from. That's why he says, try the spirits that you actually know the difference. If you don't know the difference, how are you going to try something? How are you going to know there's even should be a difference? You got to test it. Verse four, you you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the world's viewpoint that represents the flesh, the sin, the non-godly approach. When they say world, it's the flesh's way, it's the opposing way to God's way is what that means. We are from God and whoever knows God will listen to us. That's strong talk right there. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we are to recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So <laughs> I kept going through this over and over. And just in the bat cave up there in my office, I sat there and go, he just said, if you don't listen to this word, you are not in this because you are rejecting God's word. And that's not something I think we consciously do, but I think we subconsciously do more than we realize, at least I do. Am I the only sinner in here? I'm the only sinner? Has anybody ever sinned before? Saints of the Lord. Thank you, Sherry. Me and you, we're fallen, but we're gonna get it right, baby. Okay? Verse seven, dear friends, let us know one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Let me throw in one other thing here. This text is not the only thing that encompasses the saving process of God's love. This is context. He he knew who he was speaking to here. He was speaking to the church already. So let us not take one passage and run with it to the heavens that lead to Deerberg's or somewhere else. Because, because when you're reading a text, you got to know who his audience was. And what we like to do as Christians is take one phrase and run with it. Well, it's by grace. I can do anything I want. I don't know that part. You know what I mean? Line upon line, precept upon precept, the Bible says, collectively, my word shall be established. So it's important to know the context of each text and pull them together and God will paint you a picture of truth. Isn't that good? But if you just pull out one piece of the puzzle and hold on to that, and that's your theology, it's gonna steer you wrong. The devil loves that, by the way. Just hold on to one little piece of the, the, the puzzle. You need the picture 
to figure it out. God wants to give you the picture. Look to your neighbor and say, God wants to give you the picture. But let us love one another. Verse 7, again. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Remember John said in chapter 3 of, verse, uh, chapter three of his gospel, verse 16, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten born of fruit, son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So God gave a love that we're supposed to give also. And so how can we know God if we don't know what love is? And so that's what that means. It doesn't mean it's the only definition of God. It means it's the fundamental definition of God. And so if we don't even know love, we definitely don't know who God is. That's what he's saying. Verse nine, this is how God showed his love among us. He showed his love. He sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but we have, that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also might love one another the same. Well, that's different says nowhere. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know. How do we know? He says, try the spirits. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. This is the letters to the church. The book of Acts has already taken place. He's talking to the church here. He's not talking to someone who's never understood or, or come to the Lord yet here. This is who know the truth. And if you already know the truth, you're to take the truth to the lost so that they can learn the truth. That's context right there. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. It starts with that. But we know there's more because even the demons and legion acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah, but it has to start with that. The fallback on the, on the demons is that they never served God, never followed after they acknowledged who he was versus Christians follow, they show, they demonstrate and live a life that mirrors what he said here, his love. So that's the starting point again. Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are supposed to be Jesus, arms and feet. We are representing the body. To represent, you have to show. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, which only comes from God, drives out fear because the fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Another side little note for your journal, if you take notes, is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom is not the kind of fear that John is speaking of here. There's worldly fear of worry that God is not with you and there's reverent fear that God is my father. You know the difference? So there's a difference, so that's good. And I've talked about that because people get that confused. Well, there should be no fear. No, I fear God enough to know that he's got my best interest even when it hurts. That he's got my best interest even when I don't understand. I have a reverence for my father, just like my earthly parents when I was little until that time she tried to spank me with that belt. And I said, I'm 14 now and I caught that thing. And we all get spankings back in the day. 
I never forgot my last time my mom tried to spank me was with a belt and I was 14 and she came at me and I just went, watch out. <laughs> and I grabbed, I was holding the belt and she just said, all right, I guess can't do that no more. I'm like, thanks mom, since my voice is a man now. She still spanked me now if she could. But I never have lost, in all seriousness, I've never lost reverence for my parents. I've disagreed with them. I've disagreed with God. But in the end, I knew it was me fighting him on what was best for me. I knew my disagreements with my earthly father was always me fighting him on what he actually knew was best for me. And the same with God and my, my issues of things I didn't want to compromise. I knew that it was really God showing me something I just didn't want to face. And eventually, I gave in because of reverence to know he is greater than me and my understanding. Isn't that good? He's greater. Perfect love casts out fear. We love because he loved first us. Verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Ouch, anybody knows some church gossip people. You know what gossip is? That's hating on people. Some of your best gossipers, y'all know them, are from the church, right? Not this one. Back when you were a, a kid. But you know what I'm saying? Did they read that verse? Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. Remember, um, remember faith is the evidence of things unseen and the substance of things hoped for. So, so in today's church, we love a God we've never physically seen in person. And that's by faith. And so God says, if you can't love the people you can see in person, like your siblings and your relatives that you can't stand at, at Thanksgiving, you can never love me who you cannot even see. You get this? He's given you a test to try it out. Like, try it out on them. You want to love me right? Try loving your neighbor right. If you can't do that, you can't, you're, not, you're not loving me. You're in vain. You're a liar, he says. He says, liar, liar, pants on fire. That's what he says. Not like literally. I didn't mean to preach hell there. That was not a hell joke, people. That's because I have a, an almost eight-month-old and a seven-year-old, and, and God knows how many other kids, and I lost track of their ages because they talk like that. I talk, I talk pot. I say potty a lot. I'll be amongst adults. I say, I got to run to the potty. Is that weird? Pastor says he has to run to the potty. <laughs> Hey, it's better than some other ways I could, you know, that I've probably heard growing up. All right. The title of this final week is Put It to the Test. Put it to the test. And here's, here's the cliche with church sermons is that God is testing us. And they always talk about being in a test. But when does somebody ask you to test something else? I never heard that. Well, I heard that right here but I never heard that in a sermon because it's not about me, but it's going to help me. You mean to help me? I got to make it not about me? Yes. So John says, I'm looking for verse one and I can't find it because I'm had too much caffeine. Test the spirits to know. So when you're in a fight and you don't know what to do, observe the world. Test the world's behavior against your Bible, against your God's word, which is alive. Test it. To endure a test, you got to give one. When we receive a test, we must give a test 
back. How do we know? There is no separation in who Christ was and who God is. John starts his gospel with the word was made flesh and we knew him not and we beheld his glory and, and, and on and on, the only begotten of the Father, on and on. And, 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 and we hung him on a tree. The word became flesh. That is God moving into time and space to do something for humanity. And so Jesus was tested. So we're going to be tested. And God is trying to tell us here, John, through John, how to try the situation, try the person who's telling you that, how to try that, test that, to know. Until we have application of this stuff, it's just Ferris Bueller substitute teacher scene. <laughs> I'm showing my age there. Until we apply this stuff, we won't, forget, we won't remember it when we leave today. We'll be thinking about Red Robin delivery or whatever. Grubhub. Application is how we understand the power of God's word and its ability to overcome anything. John said, we are more than overcomers in verse 4, and that the God of love is in us. God's love is in us. So I asked you this morning to embrace the test that you're going to actually give away to someone. You're going to test them, that thing, person, place, thing. It doesn't matter. This is how we see God's love become bigger than a feeling, and it becomes a life support system to you an abiding place. Remember we spoke on abide in me? I think that was week two. A mirror of who I long to be as this child. Because when you get in a bad enough place, you're no longer asking God, you're demanding God fix it. You're crying out for help. A cry out. Remember they cried out like they showed it. There's a point where you got to cry out. And when you don't know what to do, God says, test it out. How do we know? Try the spirits. That really will make sense to my Caleb, who's 11. I say, Dad, try the spirits. Everything with him is literal. We were talking about idioms this week. How many know what an idiom is? You know, when it rains, it pours. You know, give an inch, take a yard. Oh, they were barking up the wrong tree. You know, so we're, we're explaining idioms to Caleb. And man, before I knew it, Mike, idioms were just flowing out of me. I didn't know I knew all that. There was one I didn't knew, know. I don't know. I don't know grammar very well, as you can tell. Tenses. But I know some idioms. I know some idioms. And so Michelle's reading all these idioms, and there's only one I didn't know, and I can't remember what it was. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But everything else I knew, Mike. You know, it's raining dogs and cats. I don't know. We just went on and on. And everything we said to him, he's like, there's dogs and cats falling from the ceiling, the sky? Everything's literal. No. So when I say try the spirits, nobody's going to know what that means without understanding. That means test the situation. Compare the situation to what the word says. The word says it is a mirror to our life. And if it is not mirroring the word, our life is not in sync with it. 
So try it. So just like the Garden of Eden all the way back, how did they know? Because it didn't align with what God said. When the serpent said, go do it, you'll be good. Ain't nobody going to do a thing to you. Eat the fruit that God said, don't touch. What'd they do? They got confused in their theology. And they went not only the wrong way, the opposite way, and created this thing called sin. So it's no different today. We've got Google, we've got people, everybody's got something to say. So when you get lost in that, you got one thing to rely on through Christ, and that's to try the spirits according to his text. Is this making sense in a practical way? Let me take what he said. Okay, he he said some good things about love. Okay, I get that. He said some things about honesty. I get that. The Bible talks about gossip, all kinds of things. Like we understand on a high level, we say that in programming, high level. That's not like um, super specific. That's like abstract. We understand on a high level right and wrong. But when it comes down to the situation to choose, we, we, we omit that. I used to know a guy, I can't say his name because it's not pastor-like, in Nashville, who was a big worship director. <laughs> Point to Nolani. She's not like this because she actually lives for, for God, which is the way it's supposed to be. He was also a musician. Go figure. He was also uh, a rapper. I guess you, do we call them musicians? I know the musicians, how they feel, but the rappers in the room or the artists would say, Heck, yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's, all, it's all art. So what he would do is he would do one thing on Sunday. And then what he would do the rest of the week, y'all don't even want to know. I didn't know this until a friend of mine, a mutual friend said, yeah, that's just how he's always been. It hurt. I'm not talking about like some mistakes. I'm talking about lying to God stuff. Horrible live in a total lie. And so I bet it'd be hard to read 1 John and not feel conviction in that. My job is not to shame you. My job is to give you a word. And this illustration is a truthful thing that really went on. And, 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 and let's just say he was a ladies' man. And he was all for God. And he was playing the system to play the ladies on and on and on. And everything he did was really to funnel in to the music thing. And I know all about wanting to do good in music and pursue dreams and all those things, but I never could imagine selling out to that degree where it's, it's, uh, it's, it's um, intentional. But I think what happens with, some, with someone that gets in that situation is they get in it for so long, they have become numb to it, they don't even face it, they're never looking in the mirror anymore because everybody's just kind of okay. It's just the way it is. And so I, I never addressed it because it's not, you know, it's, it's his life. But I'll never forget being an old Pentecostal kid, falling out of church. You know, I was the backslider. Can we say that in church? I was a, all, the, all the terms, living for the world, I thought, until I met him. I thought, whoa, I, whoa, there's levels to this kind of sin. I was so convicted that I even knew that. I didn't want to know it. It like, it like contaminated my, my mind. And so, so what I'm saying is we're living in a culture that is okay with that. 
we're living in a culture that doesn't really care about discerning the difference. It's all about the perception of having that be part of our life. And we're living with that, and we're telling ourselves lies that that's okay. Forget about what everybody else thinks. That doesn't matter. But God knows the difference, and God cares. And when we lie to ourselves, it hurts your father. If my child would do that, it would hurt my heart knowing they didn't come to me. Why would they think to keep living that way and not come to me? You know? And so John is speaking real talk here and calling it like it is. And so he's saying, if you do these things, I'm sorry, but that's not God's way. Try the spirits. Test it out. Oh, I'm thinking of his old songs. He had multiple person. He had an R&B persona, and he had a gangster rap persona, and then he had the church persona, and he had different names, stage names for each. It was, it was, he sang on some of my old songs, Mike, in the background. He's a background singer. I mean, he was good, but man, it hurt knowing that's the reality of the way he lived. If I could go back now, I would say, brother, dude, what are you doing? You're lying to yourself, but I was just a kid. I was intimidated, you know? Test the spirits. Is that from God? Remember Samuel, Eli's house? Is that you? Is that you, God? Remember that? Samuel and Eli's house, he kept hearing God, and, and, and he's like, is that you? Is that you? Try the spirits. All of 1 John reminds us that Jesus is God in the flesh and that the cross was the redemptive plan. John keeps reiterating that if they, if they condemn the cross and if they condemn that Christ was not the Messiah, they are the Antichrist spirit. He said that repetitively through all four chapters, all five chapters, excuse me. And since the garden, the enemy loves to trick us into thinking he is God and his ideas are from God. And it's the furthest thing from it. And when we don't know, anything goes. If we don't know, anything grows. Anything goes. We become susceptible. We have no defense to the gospel. We have no wall to protect us from the attack before it arrives because we don't even know what a wolf looks like. We don't know what an attack looks like until we're being attacked. Anybody ever felt that? Y'all getting this? That's the enemy's approach. He wants, remember it says perfect love casts out fear. It's because the enemy wants to attack you with fear and confusion. The Bible says that the enemy is the, the devil. It says the devil is the author of confusion and the father of lies. So when you experience lying, you can say, hmm, that's not God. Well, it's a white lie. That's better than the yellow ones, said no one ever. Last time I checked, it's all the same, right, Mike? The author of confusion. When you feel anxiety and worry, we have people who repetitively come to church, get God's word, and they live in anxiety. I'm one of them. And I have to remind myself, what is wrong with your mind that you keep forgetting that God is on the throne? So worry, root up. Well, what if this doesn't happen? What if this doesn't go how I, that's my control problems. And now that I'm 43, I'm letting go of some of that because life's just easier to be a little sloppy than be so rigid that I'm, you know, my cortisol levels are through the roof. I'm tired of living like that. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let God do some things. 
And so we live that way. It's a very common problem in, in society is, is anxiety. And so the devil loves that. But I have to ask myself, why would God give me anxiety? He didn't. Maybe I allowed it in. Maybe I got to quit blaming the devil and I just keep allowing that in. I keep letting him put bad seeds in my mind and then I let those seeds have life in my garden, you know? And so we know that that doesn't line up with, so that's me trying the spirit. Is that the will of God? Is that what the word says? Is that how I feel when I enter the presence of God? Do I get anxious? No, I feel peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, so they shall be the children of the Lord. See what I'm doing? I'm trying the situation. But you got to try it. I don't know why God won't fix it, because you won't test it with his word. So he can show you right there. It's good. You're okay. Okay, I'm better. If we don't know, we'll keep feeling that way. And that's the enemy's approach. To confuse, oh, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. He would love to confuse to you what love is. Oh, isn't that good? It's so good it hurts, like a good deep tissue massage. It's so good it hurts. It's like, oh, it hurts so bad, but my headache's going away. Thank you, Caleb. I pay him five bucks to massage my neck because I get headaches. Anybody else pay off their children? Am I the only one? Child labor, 2022, what do we got to do? We got to, we got, y'all, y'all, y'all go on vacation? Did your mind stay home? Did your body showed up? <laughs> Just kidding, love y'all. I lost my place. Yes. Love is probably often fundamentally twisted to be whatever we want it to be. Just because we change the definition of love doesn't mean God changes what love is. You know when you're talking about love, John says you're talking about God. The two can't be separated. If you're in the love of God, you know what love is. If you know what love is, you know God. It's, it's like inseparable. But what do we do? We contaminate love with lust, with pleasure, with, with feelings. I'm not saying you shouldn't be smitten for your spouse. That's good. But I'm saying it's more than that. Love is not to be what we define it as. Define it as is to be what the Bible says it is. And that's our reference to try the situation. And so as much as I want to make it lovely, that's all good and dandy. But I can't, I can't compromise God's word and call it what it's not. So we see it all the time. We see people take a feeling into the world, bring it back to church and say, God did this. And I'll say, well, the Bible says right here, God didn't do that. I didn't say that. I just thought it when I'm griping to Michelle about, didn't they get my word in them? Weren't they listening? Why'd they go do that again? And I thought, well, we're all falling to sin. Like we don't even know we're doing it. It's the way of the world. And so, so I got to pump the brakes and go, that's on you, God. I just keep sharing the word. I was telling somebody recently who doesn't speak as frequently, you can't get frustrated at that. One waters, one plants, God gives the increase. God has to have a revelation in that person's heart to see the difference. You're not going to make them see the difference. Your job is to plant the word. And that goes for pastors, preachers, teachers, and church goers, anybody that says I'm a disciple for Jesus. Amen? Come on, y'all getting this? 
We need to wear the things where you press the button, I phone, I can't get up. Y'all awake out there? You about the flat line? Come on, somebody. Okay. We're good? We're feeling good? We're healthy? We're breathing? Are y'all breathing? I can't see. It's bright. Okay, we're breathing. Okay, we're healthy. We're good. Good, I feel better. <laughs> but we confuse the world's ways with Jesus, who is God made flesh. John is preaching against this, and he just, he just referenced back to chapter 2 about loving the ways of the world. That is the contradiction of God's ways is what he's saying. But perfect love casts that out. Therefore, we don't have to leer, live in worldly fear. Now, I struggle with this one because if I don't have to live in fear, why do I worry? Because I still make bad decisions that get me in hot water. And if I decide, you know, uh, to go jump off a bridge without a bungee cord, it's probably not going to go well. Man, I add even with a bungee cord. Who would do that? A lot of people. But if I'm asking to choose, if I'm doing something that clearly contradicts what God has warned me against, that's the fear of the Lord. That's God saying, um, mm -mm. that's different. But to live in worry is what this is talking about. And that's the kind of fear that perfect love casts out. You're not to live in that turmoil day in and day out. And I know some of y'all in here right now live that way. And that is not the way to live. You have to say, that's it. It's not truth. If it's not truth, why am I taking it like truth? Yeah, I agree. Don't do that. Let it go. God says, I spelled it out for you. I have your best interest. And until you step in love, Quit worrying about what it looks like. I can't show you more. You're living in fear. Let it go. Let it go. But that's what the enemy does. He plants doubt, fear, but we are complete only through God's love. John says we are to love as others. We are to love others as God loves us and nothing less. So here it's back to the Verse 8, remember he said, uh, who does not know God because they're not in God's love. And then it talks later in the chapter again about your brothers and sisters. I get church people telling me all the time how irritated they can't stand their, 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 their in-laws and their family and, their, and their, their, their brothers and sisters. And I'm not saying be chummy, chummy best friends, but you still got to love them. Are they annoying? Yeah. And I met them too. And man, are they so, no, I'm just kidding but we're to love them. And until you respond to them differently, you're just like them. You know? Application is everything with God's word. I want to touch on chapter five before we go this morning and pull in one verse because there's just too much to cover. I don't, we don't have to even show it on the screen. I don't even know if I put it, I don't think I even put it in there. This is, this is the key thing about all this, to sum up this whole book. We are light. We are to shine light if we are in covenant with Christ. And if we don't shine when darkness hits us, we become darkness. And so, remember he says, if you can't love those you see, you definitely can't love he who you don't see. And that's where chapter 5 comes in and talks about faith. That's why faith is so preached, so important. 
Because in 2022, all we have is faith. We have to keep preaching the Messiah, who we didn't say hang on there, but we saw in the Spirit once we became one. That's why God is so good like that. He gives us the way to make it first person, and that's through the infilling. But we weren't physically there like John, who's writing this, who stood there at the cross, watched him breathe his last breath with his mother Mary right next to his side. We don't know what it's like to have Jesus hanging there saying, you're now his, her son, and she's now your mom. You're taking my place. Can you imagine? That is so impactful. John's gospel is so personal like that. It's so first person. That's why I love it. And everything he did was to show that the deity in the Messiah was God in the flesh, and they can't be separated. And so today, we have a different challenge. We didn't get to walk like that. Our walk's different. Discover your perfect plan made just for you. Your walk is different than John the Apostles was because it's 2022. But until Jesus comes back, we still have a walk to achieve. And together we do it as the church. So I'm going to love them when it hurts. It's not easy, but it's heavenly. One verse he says in 1 John 5, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcome the world, even our faith. He's saying this is the secret to faith. When you recognize that Jesus, y'all can stand with me. When you recognize that Jesus really did these things for, look to your neighbor and say, you, and point him in the face. You, yes, one more time. Yes, you, 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 and even the guy outside, I don't know, his breath stank, I don't know, I'm just kidding. Like everybody, that is when faith arises. That is when faith becomes real in your life. And when it becomes real, you quit living like my buddy back in Nashville and you become a real servant of the king. You keep it real like John said, because anything else is not gospel. And if it's not gospel, it's not the good news. And if it's not the good news, it's not truth. Centered in faith, God's love is enough. When we grow it, then we start to know it. I'm centered back at my garden. And that's so cool about God's love is that it can move in such a simple way by worship, by opening your heart. I was thinking of the Chris Tomlin song, Good, Good Father, and then he has um, White Flag. It's about surrender. And it's really that. It's a, it's a moment of surrender to our will. I told Michelle this morning, I said, I think people keep doing it wrong at church because they really just want to do it that way. I know they're smarter than that. And so like we have a will to do it our way, but there's a way the church wants to do it. And there's a way we want to do it as people. And we have to make sure it aligns with God's way. Because if we believe the spirit is speaking through the situation, we have to give up our will for God's. You getting this? So we can keep doing it the same old broke way because we want to do it that way. That's not God's will. That's your will. And so I just want to encourage you with that. You've got to put down the stubbornness of flesh and say, how does God want me to do it? That's what I want to do. God's way. Through faith, I will do that. The power of God moves simply through his love. 
There's no channel of confusion in his love. There's no blurriness in his love. It's clear. He's the author of trust, truth, fulfillment, joy. Even in your darkest seasons, God will pull you out because he's a trustful God, a promise keeper. He's good. Let's bow our head and just give thanks right now for this this letter that John took the time to write. And I didn't know you, John, but I thank you for this, that you poured out your heart and gave me some real talk in my life right now. And then I pray if it's spoken to my life, it'll speak into the church's life. And I pray that that's how God wanted it to be, that if I don't feel it, the church can't feel it, and we gotta give a word that's alive. And so John, I thank you for your gospel. I thank you for your, your epistles here to the church that we need constant reaffirmation of why we exist why there is only one perfect love through the Messiah, through the God that came and hung on a cross, that we could not know anything about love until he extended the love from heaven first. And we're thankful for that. We acknowledge he is the Messiah. We acknowledge he is, he is the greatest love, the only love. We acknowledge he is perfect, and we rebuke anything else. We rebuke anything else as truth that is not Bible. We rebuke anything else that is not your word. If it's not your words, we don't want it. We don't want to contaminate the garden with somebody else's thoughts who's trying to cheat our journey into the kingdom. We give thanks for that right now, that we got a mirror, and we're going to test it out this week. And if the house of God could say in Jesus' name, amen.